This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Lewis Hamilton writes his name into the history books as he equals Michael Schumacher's win record of 91 races. I'm Jenny Gow, and this is the Checker Flag Podcast. Hamilton wins ahead of Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo. It was a topsy-turvy race. Jolien Palmer, Jack Nichols here to talk about it, and Jack... Don't normally get you to do this, but can you just talk us through the story of the race? Because it was energetic. I can't give it to you in full. It was very busy, wasn't it? Hamilton got a better start than Bottas. Bottas was on pole. Hamilton went up the inside at turn one, ran Bottas out wide, and that looked like job done. But no, Bottas hung it round the outside, up the inside into turn two and retook the lead of the Grand Prix. And from then on, we had a real fight on our hands because Verstappen was lurking there as well. Hamilton said he could see that Bottas's tyres were graining and that he was doing a better job on tyre management, but the big moment came when Bottas had a lockup down into Turn 1. That allowed Hamilton around the outside back into the lead. Bottas had to therefore pit. From then on, I think the race was pretty much won for Hamilton, but Bottas still had a chance at coming back and finishing on a podium. But then he had a retirement, uh, an MGUH problem, the Mercedes team think. That knocked him out of the race. Hamilton went on to win. 69-point lead at the top of the championship. Very concerned about the pace of the Red Bull is Hamilton because they've really picked up this weekend and Verstappen was getting involved in the fight. He even took the fastest lap by a couple of hundredths at the, last, uh, at the line. But good win for Hamilton. Had to work hard for it. It's the hardest, really, that he's been pushed all year, I would say, by, by Bottas. Which is an excellent sign, hopefully, of things to come. But it has to be said, Hamilton did it in style in the end today and he equals Michael Schumacher's record of 91 race wins. Julian, when you were growing up, did you watch Schumacher? Did you, do you remember when he won his 91st race? Do you remember the records? Uh, I remember the Chinese Grand Prix of 2006. Do you? I, yep, Schumacher I, won. <laughs> I actually don't really... Because at the time, he was just winning and winning and winning and winning. No, so not in 2006, he wasn't, No, though. that's true, Because it was... I, I, but you never... Fernando Alonso you was never fighting knew him. which was going to be the last win. Oh, no. Because he should have won in Japan just after that, and his engine blew. And... Uh, he could have won in from Brazil, the lead. But he had a puncture last race of the season. Well, he had a bad qualifying, didn't he? Yeah, but then he had a puncture as well. Anyway... He wasn't going to be winning that one. But the, the Japanese Grand Prix afterwards, it looked for all certainty there'd be 92 for Schumacher but lo and behold there wasn't so it was the Chinese one that stands and um, I think when Schumacher was doing that he was so dominant and all the records were past Senna's past Prost all the old all the other greats and he just marched it on another chunk all the old records were a little closer Senna's qualifying record was was phenomenal but Schumacher just took this race win and the championships with it past Fangio and another step and and mm. I think it was that chunk between Schumacher and the rest that made you think is that going to be beaten and uh, so I think the significance of Hamilton matching it today is obviously pretty huge Hamilton is one of the, the Formula 1's greatest ever drivers if not the greatest ever Formula 1 driver he's certainly in the conversation and, um, and what he's achieving is phenomenal 
Really nice scenes with Mick Schumacher, who was there this weekend to try and drive in free practice. One didn't happen, but he hung around, uh, watched the race and then presented Lewis Hamilton uh, with one of his father's helmets. Let's have a listen to Lewis Hamilton speaking after the race. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Just tell me how you're feeling right now and how much it means to you. I mean, I can only imagine when you cast your mind back to being a kid and you saw your hero notching up 91 wins. You can't have believed for a moment that you'd actually emulate him today. I, yeah, I just remember sitting on the couch with my brother watching the, and with my dad watching the Grand Prix you know, every Sunday and watching Michael storm ahead and we used to we used to watch the start of the race and probably the first half of the race <laughs> and then me and uh, and then at the end me and my brother would go and race uh, sim- uh you know a, ga- a racing game upstairs and i would be i'd be michael you know i think it was grand prix three or something like that so i was always michael and as you know he was phenomenal and um just just doesn't that was when i was what 13 14 something like that and <laughs> It's just crazy to think that today, you know, I did, of course, dream of one day being here, but I could it would be on my wildest dreams to be at, at reaching Michael's uh, wins. And um, so it's very, very hard to, to, to describe how I feel right now. It's a very, yeah, I'm tired from the race. My mind is blown. So I've got a bit of a headache right now. <laughs> I bet, I bet. I mean, you had a lot to contend with today. Just, yeah. just talk us through the challenges and... The concern that you had, I know you were quite vocal about the safety car and about keeping temperature in the tyres. Just tell us about all of that. Oh, God, it was, it, was, it was so tough today. I think got a really good start and Valtteri did a, an amazing job into turn two. Really, really like proud of him for you know, coming back hard. And, and I was like, I wouldn't expect it any other way. And then trying to then figure out, okay, how, how am I going to beat Valtteri from now? You know, and, and, and it meant that I had to really look after those tyres in a way that I, I I knew that I could look after them the way I did but I saw Valtteri then starting to struggle and a new opportunity would then come but then we had this, the safety car this guy to my left is you know, he's such a such a great talent he's so fast and consistent so it's not easy to beat uh, this this young up and coming <laughs> champ so um, then we had the restart and managed, I actually managed to uh, catch him catch him out a little bit on the restart which is always nice <laughs> I can still do that at my age so I'm good keep the young pups back for exactly. a little bit longer at least exactly. so, how, how quick are they how much of a concern how much of a threat a Red Bull do you think um, the, well you saw they had the fastest lap at the end yeah. and I pushed as hard as I could to get the fastest lap so they've got a great car and I think they, they're continuously improving so I think it's going to be this close between us particularly for the rest of the season there's probably going to maybe be tracks that they might favour them maybe um and then there's going to be, you know, going into next year, it is a similar car to what we have. So I think you're going to see the next, the closest racing probably between us two uh, and our team, I would say, in the, in the next uh, 12 months. You love that competition, though, don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> and, you, you want know, to be I just, I just, what's crazy is that every, every weekend, it, it, the 91 wins, it never gets any easier. I can tell you that. It, if anything, it's almost like it's getting harder. And... Um, Jeez, I don't even. I remember my first one in in Montreal. So young and and you know just didn't have all the knowledge that I have now. But now it's physically demanding in a different way and mentally demanding in a different way, uh, just as hard. 
uh, if not harder. So um, I'm great. I'm really grateful today. Big, big thank you to my team and everyone back at the factory. Well done. Brilliant stuff. Thank Thanks. You. So in the build-up to this race, Jack, I think it was you who said um, that the emotion doesn't really catch up with a driver when they break a record until after they've stepped away from the car. Do you think Hamilton, when he goes home tonight and has a think about actually what he's achieved, will it'll mean more to him? I think he had it straight after the race, to be honest with you. I think what I was alluding to is that you don't go into the Grand Prix thinking, right, I'm going to match Schumacher today. This is going to be great. Or that you win the race and go, yeah, I've matched Schumacher. But when after the Grand Prix, as you say, he's presented with a with a Schumacher helmet from the Schumacher family, that's when it seems to start to sink in more. That's when you sort of realise the, the 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 momentous nature of what you've done, really. And what it's actually such a nice thing to be presented with the, yeah. the helmet of Schumacher. He was presented with the helmet of Senna when he equaled Senna's qualifying record in uh, in Montreal a few years ago. What a collection! Lewis Hamilton is is building up of the the other greats of Formula One. Uh, you know the momentum memento of sort of you joining them, Senna and Schumacher. You're you're messing around trying to get a Nelson Piquet helmet. I knew you were gonna bring this <laughs> what up. What would you do for a Schumacher helmet? Well, the thing is, drivers are now doing this thing where they do a lot of helmet swaps, and um, you know I, I can't remember what it was. Ah. Uh, oh. Have you got a Pika helmet yet? No, he wouldn't. I don't think he's interested in giving it. Basically, I was a bit... I'd had a. I'd had some wine, and I was looking on Instagram, and PK was, like, swapping a helmet with... I don't know. I can't remember who it was now. Barrichello or someone like that. And uh, so I, you know, slipped into the DMs and, <laughs> and said, I'll have a helmet. He was like, <laughs> bye. And, did he uh, reply to you then? Yeah, oh yeah, he well, replied. That's at least something. He replied saying, "Me, a, get me a good TV deal with Formula E, and then we can talk about it." So, uh, <laughs> so there How's we go. That gone for you? Has, has he got a good deal with Formula E lined up? It, Still it's waiting. This, no, I contractual negotiations for Formula E broadcasting. Yeah, no, I coming to you here first on the Checker Flag podcast. So I don't. So I don't think he has. Is the point? But my, I guess my point here is that um, there's one thing swapping helmets with other drivers. You know, Alonso and Button of probably swapped and they've got one of each other's and all that kind of thing super cool i'm well up for it i'm happy to swap commentary notes for driver helmets but when you're getting i think especially because of the fact that they've retired or especially you know frankly because of the the the, the circumstances that michael's in and the fact that senna was killed in 1994 i think those two especially add something more that that you're not just swapping a helmet with your mate, you're getting a a gift from the family in recognition of something that you can't just do. You can't just go and if Palmer if Palmer wanted to swap a helmet with Nico Hulkenberg, you probably could. You could or Kevin Magnuson. Whether they'd want them, I don't know. Whether you'd want a Kevin Magnuson, I don't know. But you could just text Kevin and be like, "Oh, let's swap helmets." He'd be like, "Yeah, great. Aren't we cool?" But you can't do that with. Schumacher and, and Senna. That's and, what makes it so special. And it's also because he's achieved something. Yeah. No, no one's, not anyone else is getting this. If, if you bought an old Schumacher helmet or an old Senna helmet, yeah. I imagine for the right price, people can do this. Yeah. But it's not the same as matching them. In you, These are the legends of Formula One, and Hamilton has matched them. And that's why he's got a piece of this Formula One history 
somewhere in his house, I assume. But um, it's, it's great. And it's, I think it really brings it home, the legendary status that he is currently achieving in the sport. Genuine question. I'm not being facetious here. Do you put him on? Would you, would you put him on? Would he put the centre helmet on? I wouldn't. No? Well, I don't, it's, it's, I don't it's know. It's a piece it, of it, art, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's just, a, I'm not, I was just genuinely curious. Would you put it on? Would I put it on? I don't think, I think you'd like, you'd have to put it on once, wouldn't you? Like, you wouldn't just do but the what about if, you, if you pulled it off and the lining came undone a little bit or something? No, I know, I know. But I, 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 and I do agree it's a bit weird. But here I am. There you are. <laughs> uh, to me, it felt even more significant because it kind of felt like the baton of Formula One was being handed over from Schumacher and Schumacher's family to Hamilton. Yeah. And I think that's why it's significant at that moment. It's the same with the Senna helmet. It's, it's kind of like you're giving your blessing to that person to take, to take the record and keep raising the bar of Formula One, which Lewis Hamilton is obviously going to do. And... You know, when he becomes a seven times world champion, when he challenges to become an eight times world champion, you know, the, the future of the sport you have to think is in is, is now in kind of almost in his charge. He's gonna to need a, to put a lot of helmets aside, isn't he, for when his records are broken. It's gonna be like, <laughs> right, that'll be the pole position helmet that I'll give away. That'll be the race win helmet I give away. That'll be my fastest laps helmet. That'll be Can my I, world championship helmet. I want helmet. to ask you both the question, okay? And this might be deemed controversial and may not survive the edit, you, but I'll no, ask you, it anyway. You asking us a question is never controversial, Jenny. It kind of feels <laughs> like the purpose of the podcast. <laughs> well, listen to what I'm going to say, then okay. you can judge. Okay. Should Hamilton have a knighthood by now? Oh, that's for, controversial. For me, it's an absolute yes. Like, like it's, it's absolutely inexplicable to me that he doesn't do do i care about knighthoods does it matter about knighthoods does he Not care about does knighthoods? he care about knighthoods all of these are different questions but i think it's utterly baffling that that you have sir bradley wiggins like not knocking bradley wiggins some of the cricketers that have been given knighthoods not knocking them at all but what this guy is the greatest Formula One driver of all time. He's the greatest in this sport ever. And we're knighting like some pretty decent opening batsmen. Like that's again, that's not to criticize cricket players at all, but in the grand scheme of achievement, Hamilton is Hamilton is he's he is one of he's Tiger Woods, he's Roger Federer, he's you know, he's this level. Yeah, he's one of he's the Pele. world's greatest ever sportsman, let alone Britain's greatest ever sportsman. He, is the, who is in the same bracket as him as a great British So Steve athlete. Redgrave, I think, is a pretty good comparison to but, where we are with this because he was a, you know, a multiple Olympic champion. He was world champion. He was, you know, uh, but yet he's... It's uh, a Steve, uh, Redgrave. Steve Redgrave. Is he the best rower of all time? Yeah, probably. He is. The, oh, probably is. But in the Olympics that come around every four years, and but world know, championships come okay, around every so, year, and so, you know Commonwealth Games. So Chris Hoy stuff. as well. I think Sir Chris Hoy is in the in the chat. To be honest, and these guys, they are they are they are legends the of their sport. No one's going. What are you talking about? Chris Hoy's a bit rubbish. He's not at all. He's phenomenal. And Hamilton is in, in is in that. But I I think he is the greatest ever British sports person. I think I, I would I would hang my hat on 
hang my hat on that fairly confidently, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I, I, I'll go with you, I think. I just find it bizarre. I checked, actually. I checked the honours list that came out yesterday to see if he was on that list. Still still no upgrade. And the thing uh, is that... It's weird. Maybe there's an argument that, oh, when he retires, then he gets the, you know, the, 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 the credit or whatever. But... So, yeah, maybe, maybe but that'll no, occur. None but of the other sports people that we've suggested have, have had to wait until agreed. they've retired. So agreed. I find it very confusing. Agreed. What about Dame Kelly Holmes? What about her? Great runner. Yeah. Oh, as in one, of the, one of the greatest sports af- British athletes of all time. Do you not think Paula Radcliffe is ahead of Dame Kelly Holmes in terms of probably sort of what? overall achievements? Possibly. I mean, we're getting very derailed here <laughs> on the, the Eiffel Grand Prix. Mo Farah. Mo Farah, yeah, Mo there, there are there. some. Obviously, we've but had Ham, some but the amazing point is, athletes. Hamilton is in this conversation, if not at the top of the list. Maybe we're a bit motorsport biased because we like motorsport, and I don't really know much about rowing, to be perfectly honest with you. But nevertheless, but I think with rowing, it's, it's harder to the stat. It's harder to look at the stats and say this is the the greatest rower of all time, isn't it? Uh, I think if you were a rowing commentator, you could fairly easily get that information. Or you, if you had rowed, you would have that information in your bank because that's what you do. It's who you are. It's what yeah. you've lived. This is probably exposing my absolute <laughs> lack of any knowledge of rowing. Apart from, the, I think there's something okay. called the coxless four. This is the <laughs> well done. That's right. amazing. There are other categories as well, of course. Andy Murray, knighted or not knighted? Knighted. Andy end, Murray. End of conversation. No. <laughs> he is. Great at the tennis, right? Really good at the tennis. Good in tennis an era ball. where there isn't Djokovic and Federer and Nadal, maybe he's doing a sort of Sampras and cleaning up, right? Andy Murray, great tennis man. He's not one of the greatest tennis players of all time, is he? He isn't. He's one of Sampras. the greatest of our era, I suppose you could say. No, what, of the one era off. of Nadal, Federer and Djokovic? Yeah. Murray's not... He's fourth. He's fourth. He's, fourth. He's the fourth greatest of this so, yeah. era. Right. So Hamilton is the greatest of this era and maybe of all time. So that's, that's the point. Hamilton isn't Murray doing a great job and being excellent and winning... Against the big dogs. Against Hamilton the big dogs. Hamilton is the big dog. Yeah, that's my point. Hamilton is Nadal, Federer... Federer. Do you, do you think there's a bias against motor racing? I'm just having a look at who's been knighted. So you've got um, Sir, Sen- uh, Sir Henry Seagrave... Sir Malcolm yeah. Campbell, Sir Jack Brabham, uh, Sir Frank Williams, Sir Sterling Moss, Sir Jackie Stewart and Sir Patrick Head. And the last person who was knighted was Patrick Head in 2015. And what Jackie Stewart really is the only driver, modern-ish driver of, of that. But driver. then but Patrick Head was knighted in 2015, a Formula One legend. Hmm. But what was he doing in 2014? Or 2013? Patrick Head stepped away from Formula One in about... Yeah. 2011-ish. You, I mean, you do have to be nominated. Yeah. So, so it depends if somebody nominates you, but how is nobody nominating Lewis <laughs> yeah, Hamilton yeah. to be upgraded? He's an OBE at the moment, isn't he? Or an MBE? I forget but, which but one he is. My point was that when I think when you're, when you're a current sportsman, it seems to be more of like a retrospective yeah, thing. When, when yeah. Hamilton retires, then his services to motorsport exactly. will be unparalleled probably it's so persistent everything else he's touching at the moment as well he's putting so much into the world affairs at the moment but um i think when you when he retires and it's a no-brainer but maybe 
as a current sportsman, maybe they're waiting to see the full extent yeah. of his legacy. OK, let's go with that because it's, it's the more comfortable answer to that question, I think. Right, let's go back. I digress, sorry. But we should talk about Bottas because whilst Hamilton had a good day, Bottas and Mercedes really had a, a bad day because it was a reliability issue with the MGUH. We think that led to, Ham uh, to Bottas having to withdraw. And that was after such a feisty start to the race. Let's hear from Bottas first and foremost. Well, Valtteri, really sorry to be seeing you. You know, things were going so well for you this weekend and it was a reliability issue, ultimately, that put paid to your race. Can you tell us any more? Yeah, unlucky, you know, what can I say? Just uh, during the VSC, I started to lose power and it, it never recovered. It was quite a big loss of power, so something to do with the power unit. I don't know, I don't know any details yet. Uh, yeah. Un unlucky. Um, it was good, good fun until then. Uh, talking of fun, that when you regained the lead at the start, talk us through that, because uh, that was a great moment for you. It looked like Hamilton had got the jump on you, and then you were able to regain the lead. Yeah, it was uh, the race start. We had a good battle, and... Uh, yeah, there was no way I was gonna, you know, let it easy for for him. So I'm glad I could, you know, maintain the lead. Obviously, then later on I had the lockup into turn one, so I lost the, lost the position. But it meant I stopped early. So and the new new tires were starting to feel pretty good. So I had no doubt that I could have carried good pace and probably undercut. But yeah. Your first DNF of the season. It's a real shame. Very sorry. You two were delighted with his start, weren't you? Guns out. Well, so was Hamilton. So was, honestly... So was Hamilton. <laughs> he was. Uh, Ham no, Hamilton. I'm uh, delighted he beat me. <laughs> Hamilton after the race... Uh, Look, he was impressed. He I don't was, know if delighted okay. is the right no, but word. He, but he, he had the same reaction that we all did, which was, oh, good on you, Good chap. on you. Good on you. Well done. Honestly, Twitter blew up going, yes, Bottas, try and race. And he did. And okay, he then made his mistake later on, but I think until lap 15 or whenever it was he did his lockup, he was on a 10 out of 10 weekend, Valtteri Bottas. Nine out of 10, maybe, but... No, I'll give him a 10. But Qualifying at the Slightly front. poor getaway. Oh, never, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm getting, this is what man. I'm saying. He's on a nine or 10 out of he 10 weekend. He led from the start. What he more is, do you need to is, do? He is smashing it. Um, Brilliant stuff. And then that lockup, and I've just seen a few super slow-mo replays of it, was huge. Yeah. It was really big, like in multiple places on the tyre as well. And you saw that it was, it was just undrivable. And that's what, that's what I wonder because, and again, I don't want to then just go into the Bottas downer routine, but it was a huge error. Like it wasn't like a bit of a lockup and a run wide and Hamilton then is within striking distance was huge to the point that he had to pit and ruin his strategy. Yeah, it, it was the pressure of Hamilton getting closer and closer and um, a, a momentary lapse of concentration probably for Bottas just trying to find a little bit more pace. And it was a, a big error. It was a little bit like Sebastian Vettel in Canada last year where Hamilton closed up, was right there with, with Vettel and, and Vettel went across the grass and we know how that one ended. And it was, it's the pressure that Hamilton puts on a race leader that can just be relentless. And this is still the problem Bottas has. He's, he's, he's had a good weekend, but that mistake, forgetting the, the eventual retirement, that mistake would have cost him the win anyway. And it's just the race pace and the, the relentless 
pressure that Hamilton can put on in the races that is the hardest part really for Bottas. His qualifying is is there or thereabouts. We've seen that for a long time now, but it's the race. And when Hamilton gets out front, he checks out. When Bottas gets out front, you know there's a great race to come. And actually, it was a shame the lockup came because Hamilton was piling on the pressure. We might have had the two of them wheel to wheel. And we're now at the point where Hamilton can finish second to Bottas with Bottas getting the fastest lap at all the remaining Grand Prix and Hamilton wins the title. So that's, you know, that's always a, that's always a big one for me, that, that record. I don't really know why, but that statistic of you can just finish second behind him every race and you'll win the title always feels like a big milestone for me. But Palmer thinks it was done. We all thought it was done in, in, in end of July anyway. So, yeah. I mean, there was a glimmer, wasn't there? There was a glimmer. There was a glimmer, I think, when Bottas uh, won in Russia, got on the radio, got all argy-bargy, used some swear words, came into Germany, got pole position... Um, and then, you know, got his elbows out at the start of the race and you thought, OK, this could happen. And, and, it, and let's say, let's be honest, yes, the lockup was the problem for Bottas, but reliability was was the thing that, you know, ended his race for him. And if that reliability had been on Hamilton, then now we'd be looking at the championship in a very different way, saying actually if Bottas had won and Hamilton hadn't scored any points, then you're within one race win and a non-finish of, of it flipping. So I think there was there was hope for us, and I think there was hope for Bottas. And what happens every time there's hope for one of Lewis, Hampton's, uh, Lewis Hamilton's championship rivals, Hamilton comes out and squashes them. And I feel that's what he did to Bottas today. Absolutely said, you know what? If you're thinking you're getting momentum, you're not. Are there drivers that you're in front of and you know you're in front of them? And some scare you and some don't. Oh, fully on track. Yeah, like who? Oh, who was fully. it for you? If you had Alonso behind you, you'd be like, oh, here we go. Right, here I'm we, have this to is cut be some chicanes tough. this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there are some behind that you're like, oh, fine. Yeah, this, this, this will be okay. I can yeah. keep him behind. Just keep a good pace. He won't try anything, Larry. We're doing good here. Yeah. Anyway, it's very much some and some. And the drivers know that. If you've got Daniel Ricciardo coming up behind you fast. Brace yourself. Look in your mirrors every straight. You never know where the next lunge is going to come from. If you've got one of the the more passive drivers or more careful drivers, is probably a better word way of describing. Then you 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 can just focus on your pace a little bit more, and it's not as as upsetting in front. And I think Hamilton, to be fair, he's not really a do or die lunge guy these days. When he first came into Formula One, he he, he was a bit more, but it's just the pace, and mm. and you know that. He's going to keep pressing and pressing. Even when you think you're doing fast laps, then I'm sure Bottas is thinking he's churning out some nice laps and Hamilton's closing in. And it is just that pressure of pace that, that built up. I am pleased for you guys that you, you thought there was a glimmer of hope, though, in the championship. It's an, <laughs> with, when bother, Bottas is 44 points up? behind with seven races to go. You, yeah, 44 points behind with seven races to go. You know, one DNF for Hamilton and the gap's about 20. And if Bottas is on the form he was in today, yesterday with qualifying, winning the race in Russia, if he's won the race today, then you've got a bit of something, you know? You've got a bit of something. No, it's great. It's great. <laughs> it's so patronising. We're just not, no, it's we're not, just not the most pessimistic people in history. Yeah, it's kind of like our thing to, to try and make sure that people are yeah. enthralled by this sport, that they want to but hold no, on to no, the last vestiges of hope. Did you ever, did you turn up to Grand Prix like, yeah, I can get points there? Or were you like, oh, of course I can't get points. What's the, the, what's the point? And the team are there going, come on, Jolien, you know, 10th place is on today and you're there. Oh, I'm happy for you. 
I'm happy for you that you think we can get some points today. Um, sometimes is the answer, no, isn't it? Well, obviously, sometimes you think you're not going to score points in a 2016 Renault, but you never know if enough cars drop out ahead yeah, and things go your way. Exactly. It's the DNF. The but well, I think we've already had a bit of that, though, haven't we, with Hamilton? We've had two penalties. You think how much can lightning strike in a season for him? But... Um, Anyway, well, that's it, the, it, 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 are you guys now declaring this over then at 69 points with six to go? 69 yes. is the three, three DNFs and Bottas is ahead if he wins them all. Don't be ridiculous. That's 50% of the races remaining. Yeah. Not happened to Mercedes uh, ever. Ever. 50% unreliability. Um, can I just say, do either of you believe Bottas will win another race this season? Yeah, he probably uh, can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? I don't. Okay. I don't think I'm today surprised. has. I don't think today has. Um, I don't want to say damaged him too much, but you, you know what I mean. It's like not dampened his spirits too much. No, maybe. not really. I think he's. Okay, I, I think disagree. He, but there we go. I think he sees. I think, just no. listening to him, he doesn't sound anywhere near as. He's like, well, the car broke down. I was still on for a good result. He, he raced Hamilton well at the start. He took pole. But he's got a lot of positives to take out of this weekend. I'm still encouraged by his weekend. Agreed. Even though he made the mistake from the front, he took pole. That's the first thing, that he will take another pole position at least before the season's out. And if he's going to race like that at the start, he'll lead races again Mm. before the season's out. And he will, if he races like he did this weekend, he won't make the mistake again, probably from the lead of the Grand Prix. He will win at least one more race before the season's out. Okay, well, Verstappen is gaining pace. That Red Bull is looking feisty. Lewis Hamilton commented on it. In fact, it was one of the first things he said as he crossed the line. So let's hear from the man himself who was causing so many issues for Lewis Hamilton, apparently. Max Verstappen. Well, Lewis was full of praise for you there. It was a great race from you today. And to pump in that fastest laugh at the end must just leave a big smile on your face. Yeah, um, overall, I think the race was good. I just tried to stay a bit with Lewis, but the overall, over the whole race, he was just a little bit faster. Um, but nonetheless, I think we can be happy with the weekend. You know, we, uh, I think we improved the car a little bit, and uh, yeah, happy with that. Fast lap at the end was uh, enjoyable. I, d- I didn't, I didn't think I would get it, but I was just trying to go flat out, see what happened, and uh, see what happens. And yeah, luckily it worked out. I mean, it's a strange season. It's it's a bit topsy-turvy and there's lots of variables to deal with this weekend, but also the wider season. How much are you enjoying your racing at the moment? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm a racer. I'm, I want to win, so... Just want <laughs> to be more competitive. But that's Formula 1, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always normally only one team where you can win and the others are always catching up and that's what we are trying to do, so... You just have to adjust in the role you are, right? So uh, I, I'm happy with what I'm achieving, but as a racer, you want to win. So that is, of course, what we are targeting. Well, well done today. Thanks a lot. Jack, quite clearly, Red Bull have been tweaking, they've been developing, they have brought significant upgrades, and they seem to be suiting the car. Yes, this is a circuit which suits them a little bit better. It's less power sensitive, but uh, a, a good job, really, from Red Bull. Same as every year. <laughs> like, improving towards the end of the season not yeah, quite enough at the beginning towards the, yeah, yeah. towards the end of the year it gets very exciting and Hamilton's saying they're really close to us we've got a fight on our hands look they've done a great job they've, they've, they've managed to, to claw the fight back they are in the mix and hopefully that'll give us some good entertainment going into the final five races of the year uh, six races of the year I should say 
and they did a good job. Uh, Verstappen's teammate had a tough day today, actually, Alex Albon, and, and that was a shame for him because he started fifth. And with the pace Verstappen had, I really wanted to see what Albon could do because Verstappen and Hamilton were a minute clear of the midfield. Albon would have, I think, got past Leclerc quite quickly. And then what could he have done with regards to the... Bless with, you, Jolie. Yeah, bless you. With regards to the uh, the fight up at the front. He wouldn't have been in it, but how close could he have stayed? But he locked up early on. He then had to have a pit stop. He then ended up in all sorts of other... He had a collision, which gave him a penalty with Daniel Kafiat. So it kind of slipped away for Albon. And Red Bull are, are in that same position that they were sort of last year, that they are a threat to Mercedes, but they're only a sort of one-handed threat at the moment. Uh, we need to talk about the man who came in third place because Daniel Ricciardo is back on the podium. There was much joy for a lot of people, including those who can't wait to see what tattoo Cyril Abitbull has to get. Uh, let's hear from Daniel. It honestly feels like the first, the first podium all over again. You know, the, the feeling I have now, it's, it's a little bit of... It's like that, that really happy shock, I guess, you know? So I can't, I can't really remember the race, you know, where in terms where it, where it really happened for us. I know the start, it was, it was critical to get Albin and, and, and Leclerc. Leclerc held on for a few laps. He defended well, but then, uh, yeah, got him and that set us up. And then uh, I think Valtteri had a problem. So that, that gave us the track position. But we knew, yeah, Norris and, and I think Perez were going very well on their soft. So uh, then the safety car restart at the end. Uh, it was, I, I was very close to getting Max, but you know, us obviously tussling meant that Perez got very close and, and I thought he was going to get me into turn four. So uh, it was uh, pretty stressful, but uh, yeah, just as you say, it's been two and a half years since I've had a podium and uh, really nice, you know, it's when, uh, let's say when we signed on the dotted line for, you know, this, this Renault uh, contract, it was, you know, to, to be up here and get a podium by, by year two, and we've achieved that. So obviously, you know, ne next year's another story. I, I am moving on, but I think this really does still uh, cap, cap a, a pretty cool story that, that we've had and, and shared for, for these two years, and good news is it's, it's not over yet. And are you going to go to the tattoo parlour with Cyril? <laughs> yeah, are I'm, you uh, present for that? I, I, know, I know a few artists in London, yeah. and obviously uh, we both spent some time in London with, with our schedules with, with the team. Just, uh, just north of London. So, uh, yeah, I might have to get someone to do a call-in and uh, we'll set up a little house studio for him, I reckon. Thanks. You're a legend. Thanks, Brilliant everyone. I know, uh, I know a lot of people have been wanting this and had my back to, to see me up here in, in Renault. So uh, thanks for everyone who's, uh, who's wanted to see this as much as I have. So, Daniel Ricciardo getting back on the podium. It has been a long time. It's been a long time for Renault as well finally they've done it and Jolien you said that it, it did feel good for you as a former Renault driver oh it was nice to see them all happy they've all worked so hard for such a long time and had quite a lot of disappointment over the years as well really so um they, I think they've seen Gasly win in an Alpha Tauri and get a podium in an Alpha Tauri Kvyat get a podium Force India Racing Point get podiums, both McLaren drivers get podiums, and all the while they've been there or thereabouts as best of the rest and never had their break. Finally, Ricardo delivered, just holding on from, from Sergio Perez, and it's nice to see them rewarded with, uh, with some champers. 
what design of tattoo is he going to get? It's going to be German-inspired, apparently. Cyril can pick the size and the place, so I'm guessing it won't be his face. <laughs> um, and it won't be large. <laughs> How mad would that be if he picked his face? <laughs> Cyril, where would you want to... Ah, uh, ma visage, s'il vous plaît. Um, mon visage, ma visage, mon visage. Yep. Je ne sais pas. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to find out. Let's just put it like that. Uh, yes. Are you interested? Yeah. Okay. Of course I am. Are you interested? Are you? Are you not? Well, I'm not the most cynical, depressed, was it, <laughs> pessimistic guy ever that can't get interested in a guy having a tattoo. And so are you? Obviously not. I'm not I interested. Think it's either, hilarious. To be uh, it's hilarious. It's one, it was funny at the time. When oh, it was it's all promised. It's going to be funnier when it actually happens. What? Is it going to be? It might be as hilarious as when Fred Vasseur clipped a little bit of Antonio Giovinazzi's hair at the end of Hockenheim last year when he got some points. That was quite well, you, funny, you know, actually. Yeah, you know F1 will send a camera and you know we'll get to see the tattoo and it'll be hilarious. Well, that's, that's the thing. It'll become a very hilarious staged thing. thing. Won't be as funny as Kevin Magnussen's tattoo. Anyway, I'll move on. I don't know. What has he got a tattoo? Has he he has. A funny one. If, it's marginally droll. Do you know what it is, Jolien? Because you know camel. Kev. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on yeah. his yeah. foot. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. Just one more thought that I want to bring in uh, about Nico Hulkenberg because he once again scores points. He came in as a last-minute substitute for Lance Stroll. Stroll's got a couple of weeks to get better. Will he? Won't we? We don't really know. Uh, but Portimao is our next place. You can expect Hulkenberg to be there as a reserve maybe if logic comes out. But Hulkenberg's uh, suggesting that Haas is not a realistic chance for him now. Uh, it would be shocking if he couldn't find a seat next season, wouldn't it, after everything that he's gone through? Well, I don't know. I, look, I think Hulkenberg's been great and he's come in and done a couple of super sub appearances. I think today he was my driver of the, of the day, to be honest, just coming from the back of the grid, climbing up the order to eight, pretty strong. Look, Hulkenberg didn't get a seat on the grid this year, and that was a bit of a shame. But also, he's in his 30s. Is it the biggest loss to Formula One ever? No. So I don't of think. Of course, it's not the biggest loss. So I don't ever, think that. So I don't think that changes for next. I don't think he deserves to be in F1 any more next year than he did this year. Which is, he's one of the best drivers in the world. Are you going to boot any out any of the? You know, I'd stick him in an Alpha Tauri instead of. Kafiat, for example, uh, if, uh, if I was Williams, I'd rather have him instead of Latifi, but Latifi brings money. So I don't think it's a, it's a crying shame that Hulkenberg is missing, despite how good he is and how fun he's been and how uh, well he's performed as a, as a stand-in. Jodian? I think that racing point lineup today is such a strong yeah. midfield lineup. Perez and Hulkenberg, both are without a drive for next year. If you're Haas... Just sign, sign them, them both. Off. Sign them sign both. Them Take them as a package deal. Yeah. And you have got one of the strongest, you've got the strongest midfield driver lineup potentially. It's like Berger and Alacy when they just used to go everywhere together in the yeah. 90s. They go to Ferrari. Oh, come on, let's go to Benetton. And yeah. Yeah. They, they, they both are just solid point scorers, performers pretty much every weekend. And Haas or Alfa Romeo need, I think they just need a bit of fresh impetus. Driver change. I think probably for the stronger. Uh, I would like to ask you a question. Where do you think Nico Hulkenberg is in the Drivers' Championship? What position? 
14th. I'll go 15th. Ah, Palmer on the nose, ah. 15th. Part-time driver and he is 15th. Good news is Raymond Grosjean finally gets some points. He's off the ground. He's no longer last in the World's Championship, so that's nice for him. And he really hurt his finger today. Well, did he? It hurt for a bit, but then he didn't say anything more about it. Might have broken it, yeah. Might have done. It was a good really good race throughout the whole of the midfield, actually, because I know we've spoken a lot about the Mercedes and stuff, and we're not going to have a huge amount of time to get really bogged down in the midfield. But there was so much going on. I think the the uh, the chap I feel most sorry for really is Lando Norris, because he was he would have been fifth today, but another mechanical problem. He had a lot of those last year, didn't he? And you think of Paul Ricard, and you think of Spa. So I felt a bit for 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 Norris today in particular but really enjoyed that whole midfield fight all the way through because we had sort of varying strategies and stuff which is always the aim of Pirelli but never achieved yeah nice two-stop race in the end for most of the drivers and as you say Norris gutted for him really gutted Jolian it's a shame actually we talk about the different strategies which was all nice but actually then the got, safety car yeah. at the end you think it's going to bunch the pack up for 10 last last gasp laps just neutralizes the race mm. I, it was looking interesting, that fight for third place with Perez and Ricardo closing in. Would he make it? Would he, wouldn't he make it? Would he do a splash and dash at the end and, and try and be the, the attacker or whatever? But actually, when everyone pits and they go to soft tyres, nothing more happened, really, after that, after the restart. You wonder... It's, it's just so difficult to know, isn't it? Because I, I got the feeling that the safety car was thrown for entertainment purposes... And obviously the FIA will deny that and say it wasn't, but the situation was no different to the virtual safety car that was needed. I don't know. I I disagree, Jack, because the 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 smoke coming out of that car it was positioned quite well, but the smoke coming out of that car it looked like at any point in time that could have gone woof and just lit up. And I was surprised that they were so relaxed, no marshals. What difference does that make to whether it's a safety car or a virtual safety car? Well, if you've got point. a whole load of people at the side of the track trying to fight a fire, it's a bit different from if you've but got why people not just, just manoeuvring a car then, out the but way. But then you deploy it when, if that happens, you go virtual safety car to safety car. To it's sort point. of the normal. <laughs> is you go vir- so I think I can't help but think it was done for that reason. And also, we're back to the old safety car turning his lights off later for the sake of the show, which is FIA yeah. controlled. And... Um, they, they well, there was an argument that that was for the for the benefit of the show, mm. and uh, so it's, it's, it's plausible. And certainly, I don't I don't even know if we needed a virtual safety car for the Russell one in no. in years gone by. That would have just been moved off. It was so far away from the racetrack on a part where I don't think I've ever seen a car actually go no, off. No, but I, 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 you know, that that is the. But then you then I sometimes wonder, you know, with a virtual safety car, should you close the pit lane or something like? that to because if with the virtual safety car if you want to negate anything happening and leaving it the same then do you close the pit lane but does then that takes away some of the fun that's the thing my point is this sometimes safety car brings the fun sometimes safety car neutralizes the fun and it's pretty difficult to know which one it's going to do when you you deploy it i suppose and actually really there'll be a better day to talk about this because it didn't make a massive difference today there was a couple of safety cars a virtual one and and a real one and it, it it killed a little bit of interest, but we don't know if that interest would have materialised anyway between Ricardo and Perez. There was a chunky gap between them. It's a sort of by the by. Yeah, it's just a little nugget. Uh, Jack's already said his drive of the day. I think he chose Hulkenberg, mm-hmm. um, and so did F1. 
Jolien, are you going to fly in the face of the fans? I'd never fly in the face of the fans. <laughs> That's the fans that. first. <laughs> the F1 fans, not his fans, Oh, of OK. No, Palmer's got fans. You got loads of fans. He had fans. Actually, we were out in uh, we were out the other day in a pub, and he got stopped for a pick. Um, so long as you're not trying distance. to line up Nelson Piquet for my <laughs> slot, that's what I'm a bit worried about. You know, I've got to, <laughs> no, 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 Nelson got to Piquet be careful, is I? not giving me a helmet for getting him this gig. He's not interested. <laughs> so something worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's the initial Who's question? Driver, then? The driver of the day. Driver of the day. Um, it's actually a very tough call for driver of the day for me. Hulkenberg did well, but he only beat the Ferrari-powered cars, and he didn't beat anyone that's, that was like a huge achievement. Roman Grosjean finished ninth, and Antonio Giovinazzi finished tenth. He did well to finish eighth. Pleased for him. Good points. Lando Norris, to me, was a star of the show. Could have been in that fight for third. Mm. Dealt with that car issue that I just know from being at the wheel is just hideous to be doing that after every corner. Switch changes, switch changes, switch changes. Ricardo was great to get third. I'm going to give it to Norris. Yeah? I second is that. that. Our, is that I our first that. driver great. of the day that retired? Ooh, might well, be. Well, contrary, Jack Nichols would have given a few of them over the past few, few months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he wouldn't have ever given it to anyone who no, won today, the race, I, though. I reckon Ocon today. Ocon's my driver of the day. Jack, go home. Put your feet up, have a rest, and come back for Portimao, please, I'm in buzzing. a couple of weeks' time. I'm absolutely buzzing for Portimao. I think we all are, Jack, to be totally honest. So make sure you come and join us. Hamilton does it then. He equals Michael Schumacher's record set back in 2006 of 91 race victories. Will it be 92 next time out? Will he surpass Michael Schumacher's record? You'll have to join us to find out. This has been an IMG production for BBC Radio 5 Live. Hi everyone, I'm Jen. And I'm Jess. We're the hosts of the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to tell you about Strivectin's new Super C Retinol Brighten and Correct Vitamin C Serum. We often interview dermatologists on our podcast and two of their favorite skincare ingredients to recommend are retinol and vitamin C. This Strivectin serum has both in one lightweight layerable formula. It also helps to smooth fine lines and it's clinically proven to visibly brighten and firm skin. If you want to learn more about Strivectin's new Super C Retinol Brighten and Correct Vitamin C Serum, visit strivectin.com.